Welcome back to Qualified-ish, the bi-weekly podcast that talks all about movies and TV shows created by qualified creators, but hosted by an unqualified lover of film. This episode is about Mr. Robot. Today, I am joined by Leia and Mir. Hey. Hi. <laughs> Hi. Hello, friend. Hello. Thanks for being here. It's, it's our pleasure, and we're, we're so excited. I'm deeply honored. <laughs> yeah, these two are one of the reasons that I'm doing this again. I mean, people who have been asking me about it since I stopped are like there were many, but these people were the ones who were <laughs> the ones who were on me about it the most, and so I'm so happy to bring it back. Um, go ahead and introduce yourselves. You go first. Me, okay. Yeah. Um, I'm Leia. I know Kira through her sister Evelyn. Um, we met in middle school. Um, by day, I'm an attorney. I work in the education technology space, and by uh, rest of the day, <laughs> I'm a. Uh, I like to bake. I like to hike, read, watch TV, spend time with our dog, um, and just you know explore the human mind. I guess. Um, I'm Mir. <laughs> it's always weird saying that. Um, I am. I'm blanking right now as to who I am. <laughs> uh, I'm a scientist. Um, I work on making drugs to help people suffer less. Um, Leia and I are partners. Um, and I'm really excited to talk about Mr. Robot today. Um, my hobbies. I like dogs. I like biking. I like watching TV and movies. You yeah. like woodworking. I love woodworking. <laughs> I just made a coffee table. Yeah. Oh, sick. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, okay, so before we get started on our topic, our very dense topic, um, I asked the same three questions to all my guests um, that I'm going to ask you guys. And these are very difficult questions, but I think these really tell a lot about a person. Um, so the first one is, what is your favorite TV show to date? Mr. Mr. Robot. Robot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, for both of us, I think. Yeah, we'll talk more about why that is. <laughs> um, and what is your favorite movie? Um, I am going to be a terrible guest and say I don't have one. And I'm just going to rapid fire my letterbox top four, which are Everything, Everywhere, All at Once, After Sun, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, and A Serious Man. I think I love all those movies too, but I haven't ever seen Eternal Sunshine, which is <gasps> crazy. What? Yeah. Um, I think everything, everywhere, all at once is maybe in the top five. Um, there's a movie by a Japanese director here. I can't never remember his first name, but his last name is Koreeda, and it's a movie called Still Walking. Mm-hmm. Um, I like movies that are very psychological and that are sometimes about death and identity and anything related to that. That's like my, any movie is in my top five movies if it's got that mm. yeah and trauma that. and healing oh my god this just sounds, <laughs> it just sounds like everything everywhere all at once yeah. in a movie yeah. yeah yeah um and if you wish you created one film or tv series which would it be <laughs> um for me it's russian doll 100 percent um that show cracked me open in a way that nothing else i'd seen had um and were it not for mr robot that would definitely be my favorite show of all time yeah, you love that show. If you ever want to do a podcast episode about it, <laughs> I'm your girl. <laughs> I need to watch it first. Mm-hmm. 
I don't know. I really like this show called Undone on Amazon mm-hmm. Prime. And it's kind of, I don't know what the style is called, but it's like, it's shot in real life, but then it's animated. Oh. If that makes any sense. Um, it's like a, the movie Waking Life, and it's it's about, um, it has like the Better Call Saul, I always forget his name. Bob Odenkirk. Bob Odenkirk mm-hmm. in it, and like a bunch of other actors and He's actresses. Great. Yeah. It's a really good show about intergenerational trauma. Is that it's new? animated amazingly. Is that new? It's like in the, in the past like, couple of years, I think. Oh, okay. It's I haven't heard amazing. of that. amazing. Cool. I was just brought to tears by the end of it. Oh, God. It's amazing. Just like this show. <laughs> um, for me, it's always Fleabag. Like, I always rewatch yeah. Fleabag, yeah. and I'm like, this is genius. <laughs> There's nothing better than this. Like, top I, five TV shows for me. I owe it a rewatch because the first season, everyone was so obsessed with it, and I remember watching the first season when I was in law school, and I just couldn't really get why people loved it so much and then i watched the second season and i was like this is incredible yeah so i think i just need to go back to it and, and watch it again because it she's her writing is so good she's brilliant she's so funny it's so good um so now we're gonna go into our topic um mr robot and so just a warning from now on for everyone listening um w- maybe within the first couple of questions there won't be spoilers but that does not guarantee it so <laughs> spoiler warning from now on um We'll be spoiling the whole show. So <laughs> if you haven't seen it, you definitely should give it a watch. Um, but stay tuned for the next couple of questions to understand a little bit about what it is and maybe if you uh, want to watch it or not because it's kind of an acquired taste. So how would you guys describe Mr. Robot to those who have not seen it yet? I, I struggle with this question <laughs> because I get asked it a lot because either people have never heard of it or they've just watched a few episodes and I don't think I can accurately describe it without spoiling it, mm-hmm. um, which makes it really hard to build a strong case for someone <laughs> of why they should watch it. Um, but I mean, kind of on a very surface level, it's about this you know, like, misanthropic guy who hates society and he's trying to fight the system, quote-unquote, um, by hacking. Um, but it's that's really just the surface. Uh, the deeper layers are so much more dense and rich and it's very psychological and it's very much about the, the human psyche. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, people have asked me, actually, today I described it to Rachel... We were having coffee, my friend, and I told them that it's like two shows in one. It's like uh, the vessel is a cybersecurity engineer who works for a company who gets contracted out to like build security systems. And then, would you say, vigilante hacker Mm -hmm. by night Mm -hmm. trying to take down corporate America. Mm -hmm. And then there's all the other emotional parts of that. And that's like the vessel is the story in which all the emotional trauma and healing gets told and and they're both actually really like riveting if it wasn't any of the emotional stuff it's still kind of fun to watch like you know corporate takedown Mm -hmm. and then it's also amazing to watch the other thing but then you put them together and it's just like wow you have like two movies or or tv shows in one yeah it's like oddly introspective like you would the first season you're like okay like this is fun like you think it's like really interesting like he's doing these things and like he's he's an interesting character you can't read him and then suddenly like what happens at the end of season one you're like okay so there's way more to this (laughs) 
that we're gonna probably go into in the next couple of seasons and they do it so perfectly like mm-hmm. it's crazy um, I, I think like the the coding part of it too like mm-hmm. a lot of the episodes so first of all the episode titles are all like file names and mm-hmm. every season is like a different uh what is it called the extension like the mm-hmm. end of the file name mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I'm sure, like, someone... Not knows. every season. Every episode is a different... It's a different file, but every... According to Wikipedia, every season has the, la- the last bit of the title is a mm. different type, yeah, okay. right? So, um... And so... Oh, interesting. But then he also uses it as, like, a vehicle for the episode. Like, he'll talk about... And I'm, I'm not... I don't know anything about code, so I'm not going to have a good example offhand, but he'll talk about some concept in coding and that kind of becomes a thread for the episode in a way that sounds like it could be corny but it's not Mm -hmm. and so I feel like you know someone who's into code and into psychology like this is a dream show for them Mm -hmm. definitely I agree with that and I and I think like when I mean when I chose to watch it it wasn't because it was like trending because I feel like the shows that are like trending are like they're fun and they're lighthearted usually or they're like um they're complex, but not in the way that's, like, a little bit depressing that I feel like Mr. Robot is. Um, I watched it because a friend recommended it to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was at the end of the, when the show was... It was, like, right when the show was ending. And he was like, you have to watch this. The season just... Like, the show just ended. You have to watch it. But otherwise, I had no idea about the mm-hmm. show. So how did you guys decide to watch it? Was there something... Was there someone who told you about it? Or you just came across it on Amazon Prime? Or what was it? Um, I watched it first. So for context, for... Um, I watched the show in 2021 alone and then like harassed Mir to watch it for a long time and then he finally watched it and so I re- rewatched it with him. But for me it was a it was random. I had definitely heard about it. It was like when I was in college, I think there were a lot of screenshots on Tumblr from oh, the yeah. show. Mm-hmm. And he's there's like this, you know, clips that were very popular from the show, but I was just kind of bored and I think Mir was like on the phone with his brother and I was just flipping through Prime and I saw it and I thought you know why not let me just watch an episode see what this is about and within like one or two episodes I was hooked like I was like I need to know where Mm -hmm. this goes this is so interesting um and even though we lived in a really tiny one bedroom in Noe Valley somehow Mir didn't really see much of the show as I was watching it Mm -hmm. but he did kind of come in and out in the first season and like picked up on what was really going on within like a few episodes like he knew where it was gonna go and I was like where did you get this like what what are you talking about um and of course he was right um and of course yeah you just you you know like same with Russian Doll like you kind of you see it or like Asteroid City as we were talking about the trailer like he just kind of picked up on the clues and immediately nailed it and yeah and then I guess yeah so I finished it in a few months in 2021 and then you watched it. Yeah. I'm so glad you told me about it. Yeah. I think still, like, to this day, I've only known, like, maybe two or three mm-hmm. people that have ever seen it. It's not a mainstream show at all. No, That's it's... That's what I get the sense of, at least. I feel like it's not as accessible as other shows. And not in, like, a negative sense, just in the sense that I feel like people watch television now. It's, like, right before bed and you are winding down, which is fine. <laughs> but then there's, like, this where I'm, like, I'm going to stay up and think about these episodes <laughs> yeah. forever yeah. because it's, like what's going on um but anyways I guess I guess that leads into like the next part which is like um we we talked a little bit about the impact of like season one and kind of how after watching the first couple of episodes you get like an impression 
what what were your impressions as the show progressed? Did you get more into it? Were you like scared or you know like I I know some people just stopped watching at some point because it just got too much and you just don't know where it's going. So how did you feel about the show as it progressed throughout the seasons? Yeah, I mean I I think I started and stopped it like three times. Yeah. I I think I started season one and two. But once I finished season two, I kept going. But it, season two was so dark and gloomy. Like, mm-hmm. the drug usage, the gloominess of life, like, post-drug. What else? Like, I can't remember exactly what the reasons were, but, like, just, I mean, he's a, he's dissociated. He's detached. He's depressed. Mm-hmm. He's everything that is a consequence of the trauma he suffered from. Yeah. And it's just so hard to watch somebody in, in that pain. It was incredibly hard for me to watch. I remember you specifically saying at one point when you stopped, one of the times that you stopped, um, there was a lot of grief that was coming up around your loss of your dad. Because, yeah. And I guess somewhat spoiler, but not a big spoiler, you learn pretty early on in the show that Elliot's dad passed and that he died because he got leukemia very likely as a result of working for this kind of mega conglomerate that is the main enemy ecor um and so i think that was a recurring aspect of the show and i think it was just hitting you really hard yeah it was tough like seeing how he like the first season or two mm-hmm. like he would see mr robot his dad in and out of his life basically and then you're like oh that's not in and out of his life he's dead yeah and he's just either imagining it or creating a better version of himself to protect mm-hmm. himself from something else. And it was hard to watch because, like, sometimes, you know, when my dad passed away in 2019 and I feel like, I mean, I don't see him. But, like, you know, mm-hmm. I, sometimes you get into those spiritual modes of, like, you feel people around. And um, it was hard to watch for that reason because some of the time their relationship, I mean, most of the time, actually, until... I mean, spoilers now. (laughs) Screw all the surface level stuff. Like, season three is when stage two starts happening, and that's. Season two, I think. Oh, no, no, you're right. Sorry, you're right. You're right. It is season three. It's like when they finally start working together, but up until Mm -hmm. that moment, they're in conflict. Right. Like, they don't agree with each other. Mm -hmm. Elliot hates having this persona around. Mm hmm. And uh, it's hard to watch that. Did you feel like it was... It was hard to watch because it was accurate in a sense that, like, there was this presence and, like, there was, like, conflict or just, like, that there was, like, a presence and it was, like, haunting him or, like, feel it was, like, a weird feeling or how do you feel that it was accurate, um, if at all? I think it was, like, the it's it was conflict. It, mm. You know, they, like, never, ever... I mean... Elliot would wake up and then, I mean, he did like copious amounts of drugs to basically escape Mr. Robot, right? right? Mm-hmm. He relied on morphine, but it never made sense until it made sense why he was trying to escape it so much. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I don't know if that directly answers your question, but... No, no, I got it. Yeah, it's, it's, it was tough because it wasn't a happy relationship. It wasn't like Mr. Robot was... Yeah. Maybe at some level he was kind of skewing Elliot's opinion that, oh, I'm here to help. I'm helping you out. Let's do uh, five nine together, right? The yeah. hack. Um, 
but then they like split after that and then like Mr. Robot wanted more and Elliot was like what have I done right. I can't believe I did all that mm, like yeah. was the cause of all this death right um I have to say the rewatch is somehow better mm-hmm. like my impression on rewatch was even better than my impression on the first watch because you just pick up on so many more clues like you see the breadcrumbs and you see that like from the beginning of the show and I think actually the creator has said this because uh, I Mir, you you've you've kind of learned that originally I think this was meant to be a movie mm-hmm. and so they Sam Esmail I think had the arc in mind and when you rewatch the show you can see it really well and it's to me so beautiful how they stay consistent to that and like make it work um but it is yeah it is a tough show to watch for sure uh and I think it's not bingeable I think Mm -hmm. maybe two episodes at a time was all I could handle even on rewatch um yeah yeah it's difficult and I mean I think like kind of tangent briefly like I think what makes the show so good is that they had the whole entire show in mind because it was supposed to be a movie. And so there's like a consistency that I feel like I, at least at the time of watching it, like I, I was not finding that in other TV shows. Like it was really rare for me to find that. And so I felt like every, every character was thought out and like, um, this is one of the only TV shows I can say, I feel like every character has a really significant role and like I feel like every scene like genuinely I feel like every scene needs this person needs these characters like I I feel like usually in a different show like the Angela character like you know like a romantic connection Mm -hmm. maybe like a side character I would just be like they're whatever but I find Angela to be like a key factor I feel like she's part of Elliot Mm -hmm. in so many ways like not just um and I guess that's like like a pun almost because he has a lot of different (laughs) personalities you know but I do think that in some way that she has that um that part in like his own mind um and so I guess like I I I was wondering if you guys feel the same way about characters or if you find anyone to be like really important like someone that really stood out to you or um I don't know something along those lines um I want to I, I was thinking a lot about this and I think maybe a sort of out there answer might actually be Vera, mm-hmm. um, who, of course, on a surface level is this completely psychotic, like, pure villain, right? This totally crazy guy shows up out of nowhere, wreaks havoc, disappears. But he's actually, in my opinion, maybe not the most instrumental but one of the most instrumental characters in the whole show because and again Mm -hmm. lots of spoilers coming right he's he to me is like if if Elliot is our protagonist Vera is the perfect antagonist because what he does is he catalyzes the most important discovery Elliot has right so in in about the middle of season four the last season Vera has like kidnapped um or taken hostage Elliot's therapist, um, Krista, and he lures Elliot to him. And essentially, having read Krista's files, Vera initiates the most <laughs> perverse, unethical therapy session of all time, right? He sits Krista and Elliot down and he forces them to have a therapy session because he's clearly read something in Elliot's file that Elliot doesn't know. And, and what you find out in that experience is that, in fact, Elliot's dad sexually molested him and that this Mr. Robot 
that he built in his dad's image was really not his dad at all. It was what, and Elliot says this later, it's what he wishes his dad had been. And so Vera in this sick way is kind of the key to Elliot finally understanding why he is the way he is and, and why he has built up these defense mechanisms. And I think the absolute most phenomenal part of it all is that after all this happens, Vera sits down with Elliot and says, like, I see you. I know your pain. I went through something similar and you and I can turn this into a superpower. Um, and I, I think that that is the beginning of the end of the show because that's where Elliot learns that. And I, I guess I should say here, it's really not Elliot the whole time, right? It's the mastermind. Yeah. And that's where the mastermind, I think, understands why he exists as well and why he needs to start ceding control. So I, I think to me, Vera stands out actually. In the, I could talk up for a million hours about everyone else, but Vera, yeah. like I, I really wanted to, to kind of point to Vera for, for this because I think he's so important. And White Rose is probably the opposite side of the same coin as well. We can get into that. Yeah, I mean, I was rewatching the Vera episode, the mm-hmm. one where he holds Krista hostage. It's crazy. It's That's insane. It's like insane. rated. Insane. I think on IMDb, it's rated like in the top ten TV show episodes it's of amazing. all time. Yeah, <laughs> it, it seriously is. Uh, and I remember one of the things Vera says to Elliot is like, "Most people don't know the pain that you've been through. Most people won't go through the pain that you've been through." And the fact that you can come out on the other side and be like still going mm. is a sign that you, I can't remember what he said, but it's like, maybe it was super proud. I don't remember, but he was like, mm-hmm. we're going to be invincible. It's yeah. unstoppable. He says, and yeah. then he like relates it to his own trauma. He was like, I was passed around by my mom to all her friends or something yeah. and just leaves it at that. And he's like, I know that pain too. Um, but I actually think White Rose is an antagonist, not Vera. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I don't understand why you say that, but mm-hmm. I... And that... that so the, how I think about it is, is like, Elliot is the person who hates society, but will kill himself to save society. <laughs> and um, White Rose, or Zhi Zhang... She is only after trying to save herself and her former life and her love that she had. It, it's a really beautiful case whenever, like, the pro and the anti... Well, mm-hmm. I guess they're both protagonists, really, but they both have such good rationale for why they are the way they are. And you kind of like, oh, I get why you're like that. Yeah, of course, I, if I suffered that pain, I would also want to make an alternate society to live in to go back and live right. with my lover. You see it so late in the show for White Rose, but yeah. I think it yeah. crystallizes so much. You're like, wow. And, and the juxtaposition that Elliot always wears all black yeah. and uh-huh. she is a white rose. Yeah. Uh-huh. Like, it's just, it's an amazing yin-yang type of situation. They exist together. Yeah, I think, like, the realization you have about White Rose later, like, that was, I remember that moment because I remember being like, this is the reason I need to rewatch it. Like, because mm-hmm. even, I didn't even realize White Rose is, like, um, other like person like persona mm-hmm. the the leader like i didn't i, I didn't realize Shane, it yeah. when we first like when i when he first showed up yeah i feel like if i rewatched it i would have been like duh like yeah you know bd wong just absolutely 
yeah. was magnificent yeah. in that role. Magnificent. And I, I think we watched the other day the clip where it's one of the last episodes where they're at White Rose's plant and it's about to essentially blow. Mm-hmm. And she's still telling Elliot, like, hey, you know, it, I mean, she's lost everything. Literally, she's lost everything. Yeah. And um, she's still saying, like, hey, you know, if you follow me, you can go back to all these people you've lost. Your your dad, uh, Angela, all these people that are gone, they'll be alive. Mm-hmm. And they have this phenomenal conversation face-to-face and... Elliot, you know, ha- has realized it's exactly what Mir was saying. Like he, yes, he hates the world, but he realizes that there's so much love for him from all these people who've been by his side, and that's worth continuing on for. And he tells White Rose, you know, like kind of to her face that all this talk she's had about this machine that will save the world, that will like turn you know things back to how they should be, like it's all just a farce because the only way she can deal with her pain is to get rid of the world that caused her pain. Mm-hmm. Whereas Elliot realizes that to get rid of his pain has nothing to do with affecting the world. It has only to do with affecting himself. And that conversation is just like, it was incredible to rewatch it. And it's, again, the acting is just top notch, um, but it it's so intense and it is very much I agree with you that she is his antagonist I see them both as his antagonists Mm -hmm. but I think you're right she is like the antagonist to him ultimately White Rose yeah yeah I mean I believed her side so much that I up until that moment I was like well then there's gonna be an alternate universe coming yeah like it's gonna happen this Mm -hmm. machine's gonna take all of them there or we're already in it or some some crazy plot twist is gonna happen yeah. And then you find out that does not happen and that she's just crazy, basically. I think it wasn't until... <laughs> literally. It's like, literally. insane. Yeah, and I think it wasn't until not just re-watching it, but also getting into conversations with Mir about it that I realized... Because I even on second watch, I was like, I must have missed something. There must be some support for this idea that her machine will open up some alternate universe, right? Mm. And I think it wasn't until much later that I realized that like you know there's there's no alternate universe there's no functioning machine it's complete delusion and it's the kind of delusion that happens when you don't squarely face your pain and your problems right right? you can create all these stories and narratives but you stay in pain and that's white rose she stays in pain Mm -hmm. Um, and elliot i think rather than staying in pain like processes and faces it or again and I, I we say Elliot but it's really the mastermind mm-hmm. right it's the mastermind who is squaring him like coming face to face with reality and with the pain of Elliot and and understanding what he needs to do would you say like um that the way White Rose handles like herself and her pain is like an act of narcissism or is that separate like she just doesn't know how to handle her pain and that's different. I don't I don't think I know enough about like capital N narcissism, yeah. you know, as like a complex. Um, I think it's separate cuz I think narcissism from what I know is mainly about like the symptoms are like, you know, uh 
irrational behavior as mm-hmm. well tied to mm-hmm. thinking that you are the center mm-hmm. of everything there's also like a lot of other clinical right, things right. I don't know if I think she just didn't process her pain and yeah. this is the we'll get into it but this, <laughs> these are the protectors firefighters yeah. and yeah. managers and such in her psyche that live on and that cause more pain yeah right and I think that goes into like how like Mr. Robot is therapy like we yes. were talking about that <laughs> so if you guys want to talk about like what that is but I totally see that like the juxtaposition of um mm-hmm. Elliot with White Rose it's it shows that like therapy like how therapy can affect mm-hmm. someone and um even just the very fact that we have never seen like the real Elliot mm-hmm. like that that realization at the end of the show like is like mind-boggling to me mm-hmm. and i don't know like if you guys want to speak about that so but it, like, i don't know yeah i i don't know if you if you add like links or anything in the podcast descriptions but i think this video that you're alluding to mr robot is therapy you gotta link it and so i this was kind of a funny story but mir and i had just finished watching mr robot and I, again, like, I was done with it for a second time, but I could not stop thinking about it like it was the first time. And I just started looking around on YouTube for clips of it. It was an itch. Yeah, it was an itch. Mm. And I I was saying this to Mira on the way over here. Like, when I, as soon as I see even a scene of the show, like, there's this feeling inside me that is so unique to the show. And so I was chasing that feeling basically on YouTube. And I chanced upon this 30-minute video. And I don't watch videos longer than, like, two minutes. Mm -hmm. Uh, But it was this 30-minute video called Mr. Robot's Therapy. And it perfectly encapsulated why I love the show so much. Um, And I don't think, again, someone can watch it without having the show spoiled. But once people do watch it, I love sending it to them because it's just so spot on. It's like integrating after you've had a psychedelic experience yes seriously (laughs) like watch the show and i was like that was one of the best shows ever and then i watched this video that you found Mm -hmm. and i was like this just unlocked like another extra cake layer Mm -hmm. on this cake it was insane i feel like you should explain what the video says (laughs) this is the first time i had actually heard about what that guy talks about in the video Mm -hmm. which is like parts what does he call it? Parts therapy? It's family parts systems. Psychology, family systems And internal therapy. family systems. Yeah. Or IFS for short. And do you want me to go into this? Yeah. <laughs> I think you have to. Yeah, yeah. For so the conversation to make sense. Yeah. yeah, I mean, so I wrote this down so I wouldn't forget because I am not a expert in this at all. But yeah, we're, we're, disclaimer, this... <laughs> we're not therapists no. and this is not therapeutic advice. <laughs> but it basically, like these concepts of parts and internal family systems the thing with internal family systems is like it's actually internal it's not your family it's mm. internal to you mm-hmm. um and the concepts is that it's like it basically models our mind such that ourselves or identity of ourselves are not individual units they're they're not indivisible they're not one thing they're actually made up of multiple things that was like something that was i think recurrent in season one and two is that oh he's got like multiple personality disorder or something like that right and then you find out that it's I think that has been like rebranded in the field as dissociative identity disorder mm-hmm. he's basically can't dissociate he can't associate with his primary identity when you later find out that that's actually the case because he his mastermind took over and put away real Elliot into yeah. a fake reality 
because he needed to get done what he wanted to get done, which is taking down E Corp, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so it, the the that like branch of or that I don't know school of psychology basically tries to use self compassion to encourage buried parts. I'm just reading now, <laughs> encourage buried buried parts of ourselves to free memories, emotions, and locked away beliefs, and to ultimately encourage our parts to do something new. Mm instead of staying in what they were. Um, And that in turn, unburdens trauma, helps us form deeply satisfying relationships, which we see only at the end of the show, with ourselves and with others. And then it also talks about how, so central to this are these like three components. One is a firefighter, one is a manager, and one's an exile. And all three are actually in the show and it shows it on the last scene too, like all three of them as part of him. Firefighters are basically a form of protection that put away any emotional fire at any cost. Um, so it can typically start backfires. Or it's like you know alcoholism, for example, mm-hmm. or other negative, unhealthy tendencies, um, drug abuse. And that's right? that's Mr. Robot in the show as his firefighter, which you see, for example, when he's being beaten by Ray, the warden's men, and. Uh, Mr. Robot literally dissociates Elliot into this completely bonkers, like family sitcom style mm, that like, episode. episode. Oh my god! Yeah. And only at the that. end, yeah, like Alf is in it, <laughs> and only at the end of the episode, um, do you realize Elliot has been, is just like has dissociated out of a deeply painful, like physically painful morphine experience. Withdrawal. No, no, it's not no. morphine. He's just was beaten so severely. Yeah. And to not feel the pain, Mr. Robot stepped in, and then they, they kind of face each other mm. in the aftermath of that, and Elliot collapses into Mr. Robot's arms and thanks him for protecting him. Yeah. And so that's a firefighter, right? Elliot doesn't actually feel the... I mean, he doesn't. He doesn't feel the pain of being beaten. But it's a measure to protect yourself from yeah. that deep. Yeah. Managers are a protective group, so that's his mom, basically. Like, she's always kind of had a somewhat protective role of, like, you know in the hospital sometimes, like, taking care of him. I can't remember what else, like, when he thought he was in jail, he was actually putting his mind into his mom's house mm-hmm, yeah. and having sessions with Krista in his mom's house. Right. That's but then you later find out too, that yeah. he's not in his he's mom's not, house. Oh, my God, that, that was crazy. That was crazy. <laughs> I was like, yeah. what the yeah. hell? Like, he's in jail, like, real-life jail. Jail, yeah. And that's, the knock, the, that's the knock on the door at the end of the first yeah. season. Yeah. But he gets arrested, right? Yeah. yeah. That was and the, yep. the thing with the manager is that they're not, they're protecting through ordering chaos, right? So yeah. she, and you see every time we see her in the show, she's like not and protecting she, him. She's actually terrible to him. She's kind of shame. So there's like also in psychology, you need like an appropriate amount of shame to live in this world. If you're a completely an unashamed individual, you're just going to go about doing ridiculous things and having no care for yourself. And so that manager is like, Let's, like, chill out, man. Mm-hmm. Like, you're doing too much, you know? You're doing too many drugs. You're doing too much X. And they kind of, like, fight back and forth. Mm-hmm. The firefighter protector yeah. or and the manager. Yeah, and you see Elliot is a very... You know, for all the chaos in the show, he's a very ordered person. Like, he's he wears the same black hoodie every day. Like, yeah. he codes and code... <clears throat> you know, there's a certain order to how things have to go, I think, for it to be successful. Um, and he does kind of like perfectionism is at the core of managers and he is very like self 
critical and 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 self-hating and that comes from the manager slash how his mom really actually treated him and there's the exiles which is like the saddest part um and that's basically injured parts of ourselves that we have put away because they're we're too ashamed of entering letting them enter back into our lives so Mm -hmm. it's young elliot it's childhood elliot Mm -hmm. and yeah, that's, I mean, that's the saddest part, to be honest, is, like, every time Childhood Ellie was in the show, I was like, we're about to learn some crazy shit right now. Yeah, like, yeah. this is going to be good. Well, um, I, I think the... He's let, that's, like, a sign that he's letting him experience... Letting... Elliot is ex- letting himself experience what he, the pain he went through as right. a kid. Mm-hmm. Like, something's about to be unlocked. And, again, you have to remember the Elliot that we are seeing for the entire show is not Elliot's the mastermind. And so I think it's extra interesting when the exile young Elliot is facing the mastermind Mm -hmm. because I think the mastermind is the the adult grown version of the exile right because when when the mastermind when he realizes Mm -hmm. that in fact at the core of all this pain is that his father molested him right and it's not just the molestation which on its own is horrific but it's that it's coming from a figure a parent who should have been the number one protector in his life i think he i don't remember exactly the details but he essentially has this crisis not of the truth of what happened only but also the fact that he didn't fight back mm-hmm. and then mm-hmm. ba- baby not baby but young elliot shows up and we see the scene where he took the key to his bedroom yeah he ran to the Queen's Museum and he hid it in this really, you know, in this place yeah. no one would find it in. And I think at some point, young Elliot leads Mastermind to that hiding spot. Mm. And Mastermind has a moment where he's like, I did fight back. Like, I wasn't, you know, this completely helpless being. And I think when he starts putting together this family system that young Elliot the exile did fight back that you know Mr. Robot was a version of his father that did protect him and that his mom really was there to kind of keep him ordered I think things start to coalesce in a way and it just beautifully goes into the end of the show um and and like literally the show it's so visual by having all those family members in that boardroom which is so cool and they're and that and that's one of those things that you start getting these clues in the fourth season where you see them in the boardroom and they're like, we have to wait for him, we have to wait for him. Mm-hmm. You're like, who are you waiting for? Why are you all here? What's mm-hmm. going on? And it's only at the end that it clicks, yeah. you know. That's a wild part. Rewatching that was it. It made so much more sense. Yeah, but it was also much more kind of emotionally intense as well. Yeah, and like the part, and I think season four when you find out that like he like Elliot's talking to Darlene and she's like you know like you didn't just like you weren't just pushed out the window right like mm-hmm. you you jumped like that was a really hard scene oh for gosh, me like yeah. to watch and i think also like again exactly what you guys are saying about these these personas i think it really embodies that like i don't know I, the whole thing with his dad like molesting him was like the craziest thing that I was like I had no clue and that's that's the thing that's the whole thing about the show is like mm-hmm. you think mm-hmm. what you're seeing is real mm-hmm. but it's not and like that's the whole meta idea of mm-hmm. the show which I think makes it so good and when you go to rewatch the show he makes so much more sense the first thing okay. you see him do in the show is 
hack mm-hmm. and turn in yeah. a Ron, Ron yeah. who has child porn. Yes. Right. And at a coffee shop. Yeah. And you're watching it and you're like, oh, ew. Okay. Creepy. Totally fucked up guy. Like good thing he turned him in. And then you come back to rewatch it having, you know, one of the last things you learned being what he went through and you're like, oh my God. Mm-hmm. It tells the master, you. Yeah. The mastermind yeah. is just what he's trying to do is keep the pain that Elliot experienced from ever happening again. And that's what the entire show, I think that's what like gets me is that at the end you realize the whole thing he's been doing, it's not about, you know, fuck Ecor or like fuck the system or fuck the 1%. It's, I was hurt once, or I guess the real Elliot, cause the mastermind mm-hmm. isn't the real Elliot and the mastermind doesn't know why he's doing it. Like I was hurt once and I need to make sure this never happens again. No more hurt ever to me, to anyone to, who doesn't deserve it. The unprotected must be protected. The, you know, the people who inflict harm must be stopped. And like, that's really what the show is at its core. It's just someone mm-hmm. who was hurt and is trying to not feel that hurt again. Um, and the way they blow it up to the level of, you know, a hack that takes down a global conglomerate is just phenomenal storytelling. Yeah, I think that's what makes it so hard to to pitch the show to people about because it's mm-hmm. like you can't you don't want to say all these things. <laughs> yeah. You shouldn't. Yeah. And yeah. also they're gonna be like, What are you What the hell are you saying? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I mean for people who are still listening but haven't seen it, what are you doing? Um but I think it's really just about how therapy affects an individual and how you handle your own emotions and baggage and what happens if you don't handle your emotions and baggage. Um, to put it really concisely. Um, So we're going to reel it in a little bit because I know you guys wanted to talk a little bit about the soundtrack. And so I want to hear what you guys have to say about it um, and how it impacts the mood of the show. And go ahead. I I just, I wanted like one minute total of of (laughs) of this podcast episode to just say the soundtrack is a phenomenal work of art. And I'm, I'm very attuned to music in movies and TV shows um and sometimes actually it catches my attention so much so that i'm distracted away from what's happening but the soundtrack is just it's dissonant when it needs to be dissonant it's harmonious and beautiful when it needs to be beautiful the music that they picked out Mm -hmm. like m83 Mm -hmm. i cannot Mm -hmm. listen to m83 anymore without Mm -hmm. having like a severe emotional reaction (laughs) i ask Uh, you to turn it off when you're trying to play outro like one morning like dude stop it and just (laughs) even there like (laughs) the details there right season three when he undoes the hack that scene is it's not scored but this it's soundtracked with intro by m83 and then the last scene of season four is soundtracked with outro and even that level of detail is just so wow beautiful and like i don't know i i love it i yeah. i kind of hijacked the conversation adam this question no but no, I, no I wanted to hear it no, oh, I mean, yeah. Perfumed, yeah i didn't have as much as a of a not as attuned to it as you are i think but mm-hmm. i mean the music is amazing obviously m83 but perfume genius the song queen when he rolls into I think Fun Society, the mm. arcade. Oh my god, yes. In season one and you season know four. Queen. It's yeah. just like it's yeah, it is it's chosen really, really well. And I think it goes back to what you were saying, Kira, which is that like it is somewhat premeditated because you they know what the show is going to end with. Mm-hmm. So they have a 
great idealistic way of picking like what will fit this thing right. early on right yeah and that song is like such a key to the show too because in the first season when he's going through his um morphine withdrawal in his like fever dream he, we see what is actually one of the last scenes of the show and it's so phenomenal and that song is playing when angela confronts him in f society and and you know the first time she says you're not elliot you're the m-, and then it cuts off and then something about hearing that song, I think because the song yeah. itself is so memorable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it is. When, you, when it comes back in season four in the same scene, like, I don't think I would have registered the same scene if that song hadn't been playing. Yep. I was like, I've heard that. Oh, yep. oh. Yep, yep, yep. <laughs> and then she finishes I was like, wait, the sentence. It's just the, when I saw the second time, I was like, wait, why is this, the episode just playing over again? And then I was like, yeah. It continues. Mm-hmm. I think you Past actually like pause the episode to be like, did I accidentally click the exactly. wrong episode? Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's phenomenal. I did the same thing. Yeah, like yeah. I paused it. And I was like, oh, and then I replayed it. And I was like, oh, oh. <laughs> like, this is actually like this is how it's supposed to be. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> but it's just crazy. Okay, so um, in terms of because we touched a little bit about Angela, but we never really talked about her in, in relation to Elliot. So, what do you guys think about their? connection they've been friends since they were very young and it turns into this kind of like romantic thing um was it like a true romantic connection how did you how did you see their like relationship quote-unquote play out throughout the show um go ahead no you go (laughs) i i think it wasn't necessarily a romantic connection and i think this show like it doesn't just like give in to the temptation to do the tropey thing right mm-hmm. and so to me i never thought of them as first and foremost romantically linked i really think that they're two people who understand each other in a way that no one else understands them except maybe darlene right they're, they as kids they lost their parents to nearly identical circumstances they had to deal with that they you know they're very different people and i think Angela's spiral and ultimate demise shows it it sort of is an antithesis to the masterminds but or Elliot's and they have a love that I think is just rooted not as much in in romance as a mutual understanding and I think that kind of mutual understanding is a very rare experience for people to have right and of course I think it can lend itself to a powerful romance but I think the romance is secondary to the absolute understanding they have of one another Mm -hmm. I noticed that she's like, so when he goes into those fever dreams on morphine, mm. she's in them. Like whenever they're at like a yeah. restaurant and they get served like a, f- a fish, mm-hmm. right? It, it kind of spirals into like seemingly him proposing. And then he gets a key oh, and yeah, everyone yeah. applauds. Yeah, yeah. And then, but Darlene is, Angela and Darlene are like another yin and yang for me mm-hmm. as it relates to Elliot. Mm-hmm. Like Darlene is his tether to reality and Angela is someone that he thinks he has an idealistic future with. Right. And Mastermind thinks the same thing. Right. Yeah. And but but then when you see like uh she has her own arc too. She's like trying oh, yeah. to climb the so corporate ladder. Which I thought was like fake. I yeah. didn't know that that was like really her. Yeah. But it was really her and then like you find out Philip Price is her dad. <laughs> Mind-blowing. Also mind-blowing, yeah. (laughs) 
Because yeah. uh, it seems like he's this like creepy old man who's like trying yeah. to seduce her. You're like, is he interested in her? Yeah. yeah. Like, but it's also like not like he's invested in her. Yeah. In some like weird it's, way. He didn't yeah. ever. I don't think he ever made like a. Weird, yeah. 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 But like, it's just like weird. Anyways. Go ahead. Yeah. So I don't know. He, she she's kind of like. But then when he, I forgot about this episode until you you reminded me of the episode where he meets, um, Trenton and Mobley. Trenton's little brother? Yeah, Trenton's little brother. Mm-hmm. It, the, literally, the whole episode is just Elliot and Trenton's little brother going to see, like, a movie. Yeah, yeah Elliot has planned to kill and himself because of the weight of what he's done. And he runs into... I forgot the little brother's name. And the little brother's like, why do you have all these pills? Like, what are you doing? My parents aren't here. I'm alone. Yeah. And, and he's it, like, you can't be alone. Like, let's go watch a movie or something. Yeah. And I, that was one of my, like, top three episodes, actually. Yeah. Um, one, because I love movies, you understand this. Yeah. And two, it like pulled Elliot back out of his like 5,000 foot view of his life and back into like a 20,000 foot view given to him by this kid. Mm-hmm. Of, like there's a greater hope in the world. And then at the end of that episode, he goes back to Angela's place and it's like that scene where the, it's like the a split screen. Oh my God. Mm-hmm. Like Genius. he's in the hotel lobby or in the, um, sorry, in the hallway mm-hmm. and she's in her apartment on the door and they're both crouched against the door mm-hmm. and they're talking about like an old game they used to play mm-hmm. and he's like there's hope like and he just comes back from this basically suicidal depression yeah and it's i just she realized i just realized that's sort of mirrored in the last game that white rose makes for him right mm-hmm. when when the plant is starting to melt down white rose shoots herself and elliot there's a game in the computer and he believes that if he wins the game, he will stop the, the reactor from melting or whatever it is from melting yeah. down. And he runs through the game and at the end it says, congratulations, you've made it to a new world and nothing happens. The, it's still blaring sirens. He goes back to it and then the part where it's, it's his friend who's suffering, you know, he chooses to read the note. The note says, don't leave me. And he chooses to stay and mm-hmm. he sits with the friend mm-hmm. like he sat with Angela and then the nuclear, or whatever, I keep calling it nuclear reactor, the, the plant finally shuts off. And it, it's interesting because he does that for Angela, mm-hmm. but for whatever reason, it's not enough for Angela because she's right. still... Yeah, that's fine. You know. That is what it is, but yeah, it serves him well to be empathetic towards her. Yeah, to, to do for others, to show the kind of love they've shown him. Yeah. Yeah, I think one one of the standout episodes for me was in season two, when she does the hack, you know, mm-hmm. like she, she uh, Darlene, hack. yeah, like yeah. when Darlene walks her through it, mm-hmm. um, like over the phone. I, that was like one of for one of the like best episodes in my opinion because it's just like it shows how tense the show can be. Mm-hmm. I mean, and like there are plenty of other episodes that are similar to that, but I just really appreciated what they did with Angela's character because mm-hmm. again, like what you guys are saying. It's not like a stereotypical like, oh, she's just like there and mm-hmm. she's like loving and whatever. Like, no, she means business. Mm-hmm. And like, I really appreciate the parallels that are drawn between Angela and Elliot, especially in terms of like how their dads play a role. Like these big reveals about their dads, mm-hmm. like, and um, Angela dies in season three, four. Yeah, last episode of season three, first yeah. episode of season That was four. like the biggest shock to me out of everything. Like yeah. beyond the, um, the twists that are happening in the show. Um, because in some ways I feel like it's a parallel to like Elliot, like 
Elliot dying in the sense that we've never even seen him before. Mm-hmm. And then we see, like, we, we see, like, Angela, who, like, is really close to him, and she has this, like, weird, like, drive and motivation that, like, kind of Elliot has, and, like, her connection to her father, which we didn't even know was her father until right before she died. Like, all of these things are happening, and I'm just like, it's, it's really just, it's not just, there's never anything in the show that's just a connection, or there's nothing that's really just something like there's always a reason for it and um it always it just goes back to our conversation about why this show means a lot to us which i Mm. think is a good segue to one of mir's favorite theories or ideas about the show about tyrell right is tyrell just a connection dude dude (laughs) the whole time we were rewatching this i was like leia Wait, is Tyrell, like, part of Elliot? Like, are they in on this together? I seriously thought about that, no. He would black out, like, yeah. uh, season one and two, like, the first two, stage one, stage two, whatever, those hacks. Yeah. He would black out and find himself in the SUV. And yeah. Like, wait, was he Tyrell during that time? Yeah. And then I found, like, later at the end, and his whole demise was, like, something that never gets talked about, I feel like, but... Mm-hmm. Terrell's death in the snowy forest. Yes. Right? Yes. Like, what was that? I that don't... That was a vibe. I don't buy into the theory that Tyrell is a personality of Elliot's. I think it's really compelling, and I've, like, gone down some rabbit holes. Like, to the, to the point of people are like, when you see the eyeball in the last shot, it's <laughs> the same color as Tyrell's oh, eyeball. Oh, please. Which, like, maybe, but I, I think Tyrell is a separate <laughs> individual from Elliot. But I think he, there's so much to say about him. And I think one of my absolute favorite Tyrell moments is when he recites the Red Wheelbarrow poem, mm. which then, of course, comes in with the Red Wheelbarrow, the barbecue place, which I loved. But he's just, I, I don't even, I, I don't think I've fully unpacked Tyrell in my mind. It's interesting in like the last few episodes, whenever you show the juxtaposition of, uh, Terrell is like the young yuppie tech mm-hmm. CEO or something like yeah. that, right? He like dresses in like a hoodie. Oh yes, in the like fantasy in the utopia. Yeah, yeah. 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 He's like Kendall Roy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Or the guy from Silicon Valley. Yeah. Um, Which I think but, people again were like, oh my god, it's because he's Elliot. Exactly. He is dressed for Elliot's part, but yeah. not as like dark and gloomy. Yeah. Yeah. Um but yeah, his his character was always really interesting to me. Him and Joanna's like Arc is his wife? Like, yeah. yeah. Oh my god, I thought Swedish she was so interesting. Denmark. Yeah. yeah, I was like, where is this going? Yeah. Yeah. And then I forgot about this part, but like stage two is when they want to burn down paper records. They want to blow up the building that has all the paper. Yeah. Records. And then there's like a scene where it comes to a head where Elliot meets Terrell in this like abandoned building. Mm hmm. They have like one floor, no one else is in this floor, it's like run down. He goes in there and Elliot's like, and Mr. Robot is there too. And Elliot is trying to stop this basically. And he's like, no, I'm stopped. Like you guys are crazy, I'm not doing this. And Terrell takes out his gun and he's like, you stop this Elliot, like you need to stop this. And he's like, no, and he shoots him. And I think that was real life. That yeah. was real life. Yeah. And then he was like, I'm sorry, Elliot. You did this to yourself. You told me to shoot anyway that's going to get in the way of this. Yeah. And that was another moment where I was like, what is going on? Like, okay, Terrell's not a part of Elliot. Mm-hmm. I don't, like, this doesn't make sense. Like, at that point, you realize yeah. for sure. Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah. And then 
and the fact that Terrell also interacts with both parts, and mm. Terrell also raises suspicions, I think, to Irving, the... Irving. I love Irving. Irving. We haven't talked about Irving. I, know. I, there, lo- I like, love every Irving. Every season is a whole movie. <laughs> it is. <laughs> um, yeah. He tells Irving, like, is Elliot okay? Like, he seems to be going back and forth a lot. Can we trust him mm-hmm. to, like, do this plan? And all that, all of it together is like, okay, maybe it's not, but... I want to believe there's something to this because it's very auspicious. I I can't get over the red wheelbarrow. Like I, it's it's <laughs> it's. I think I've thought about the show a lot, and I've like figured out enough for my own self a lot. But when Tyrell recites the red wheelbarrow, and the red wheelbarrow being the name of the barbecue place, and the red wheelbarrow being what Elliot names his diary when he's in prison, like I I that I have not figured out yet that maybe when they, when we do like a part two of this episode <laughs> one day I'll come back and you know the English major in me really wants to figure it out but I I love Tyrell's ending I think it's mm-hmm. like the blue screen of death kind of ending for him was you know poetic and I, I think the show can't give everyone the same amount of attention and I think we don't get as much about Joanna and about Tyrell to know what their pain is. Mm -hmm. We know everyone has pain and we know everyone hasn't dealt with it, but we don't know as much what theirs is, but he's such a, he's such an incredible vehicle for, for the show and an incredible counterpart to Elliot. Yes. <laughs> bon, bonsoir, I'm no, he... <laughs> yeah, and the fact that you talk, you find out that he's like been taught. Uh, Terrell's been in like a farm, secluded under security, oh locked oh, out yeah. by Irving for like seasons, and then you find out he's talking to Elliot while Elliot is in jail, and is like, "We're getting you out. Yeah. Like the Dark Army is gonna be behind this. We're gonna help you get out." And then Leon. Oh, Leon is my actual, I think, favorite character. He saved him so many times. Leon's the best. Yes. There's just so much. He, like, stabs all the the white supremacists that are in jail that are trying to kill him. Yeah. Yeah. He saves him at, like, season three or something Yeah, he saves him. He was good at that. Yeah, he... That's when White Rose, like, calls Leon and says, like, basically kill everyone else, but keep Elliot and, and Darlene and Dominique alive. And you see, like, he's got his gun in, I think, Darlene's face. Yeah. And he cocks it, and you're like, oh, shit, it's the end. And he just goes and shoots everyone else, and you're like, Leon, amazing. Yeah. Yeah, Leon and Irving, honestly, like, deserve spinoffs. They do. They're the best. Irving gives (laughs) me, like, uh, Better Call Saul energy. Yes. Oh, my God, yes. Totally does. (laughs) And I love that, you know, I think the easy thing, again, the tropey thing would have been to kill both of them off. Oh, yeah. Because that's it. They're not needed. But when you see Irving in one of the last episodes when he sees Dominique, Mm. you know, and I guess maybe, I don't know, now that I'm talking about it, like, he sees Dominique and he interacts with her totally normally and he's like here's my book i'll sign it for you mm-hmm. like don't the worry airport, the, airport, yeah. the dark yeah, army does so not weird. give a shit about you and darlene like none of your just go live your life i think his ability to integrate right to, mm-hmm. to leave that behind and integrate makes me like very intrigued in him as a character because he really is like this 
he's like an ideal kind of uh, what I would call like the ideal attitude towards work. He shows up, he does the work, and he leaves. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Is he Severance. a quiet quitter? Yeah. A quiet quitter Severance. of the dark army? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I. <laughs> I think they deserve—they deserve their own like spinoff. When you They're quit, so you great. die. Yeah, it but is he, quiet. But it's so interesting because he doesn't, right? It's fascinating to me that he doesn't. Yeah, um, I guess like at that point. So we're talking about like the end of season <coughs> three, right? At this point, we're talking about like yes, know. that's that's where that's the culmination of the barnyard. Yeah, that's the. Yeah, Dom, like they kill Santiago. Dominique right. becomes the new FBI mole for mm-hmm. the right. Army. She hates it. Poor she has to lie to her oh, family. Dominique. Dominique goes through it. And what's her name? The agent who like holds it all over Dominique and like watches. Oh my her. God, Janice! Janice. <gasps> I totally that Janice. was one of the totally forgot Janice or Janet, one of the most messed up characters. She was yeah. unbelievable. Again, phenomenal acting. The fact that she's a taxidermist, it just—it's perfect. It's just so good. Janice, yes. Yeah. I just looked up her name. Yeah. Um, okay, so yeah, yes. so going off of like the end of season three, how did you anticipate season four to go? Hmm. And <laughs> what did you think of it? Because for me, it was like, I finished season three and I was like, I need a break. And then my friend Danny was like, I texted him and I was like, uh-huh. oh my God, just finished season three. He's like, watch season four right now. Yeah. And I was like, I don't know if I can do that. I watch it <laughs> and I'm like, Angela's dead. Like, in the first episode of season four, like he's the like... the first minute. Yeah. Literally, the first minute. Yeah. And he's like, yep, now you have to watch the rest of it right now. <laughs> I was like, yeah. So, anyways, it really just went in a direction I genuinely did not even think was even going to be touched. Like, Angela dying was not ever yeah. happening in my mind. Yeah. yeah. So, what did you guys think of it in general? And how did you feel after the show ended? Do you know that meme of like spongebob <laughs> exhaling like he's his hand is on a wall and he's just exhaling yes that was that's <laughs> what i think of i just like i it they finished it like they stuck the proverbial landing yes right going into it i had no idea i was like there's a lot of open ends i've seen a lot of shows with a lot of open ends that fail to close them and i don't want this to be one of those shows and how are they going to do it they have like 13 episodes right and the way that they tied, not only did they like tie up every loose end in a believable way, yeah. but they were like, let's go like a hundred levels deeper. And of course it's, that's where you learn about the truth about Elliot's, you know, abuse and, and like, I, I just, I've, it, it, I mean, I, it renders me speechless sometimes because the show seems to be about one thing up until the end and then you really learn that it's this whole time it's been someone just dealing with their pain and dealing with it and, 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 and failing at dealing with it and trying again and failing and trying again and failing. And only when they squarely look their pain in the eye and realize what they have to do are they able to cede control, you know? Yeah. Season, I think all up until that moment, it took me a while to understand how to segment it in my mind but seasons one through three were all about like disintegration mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and he was at odds with mr robot and then season four is the first time that they're actually working together against white rose i felt like right yeah mm-hmm. and, and so it was a turning tide of like oh we're gonna take down the top one percent not just e-corp but like these specific people that are perpetuating right 
these evils. And so I was like, okay, so then now we're going to like start healing. Like this is where the integrating happens. And that is like season four is where it all happens. And they pack so much into the last, like, I don't know what, five, six episodes, yeah. four episodes. Yeah. It's so much. It's crazy. Um, I don't but even remember like the first. Not, it never loses quality. Right. It never does. That's the thing that's phenomenal. It's not rushed. Like you think it would be. Yeah. And like, we're, like we've talked about like probably 10 different characters, but the truth is like all these characters are so well written. And all of the things that happen, even in season four, which there's a lot, like 10 times more things that happen than in season <laughs> one, everything is really, like, they don't ever rush a single thing, which to me is, like, mind-blowing because it's, like, to do all of that and all the complexities that they tie at the end is, like, crazy. It is. Yeah. Yeah, the mastermind was in season four, mm-hmm. the reveal of that, yeah, finding out episode. that there's, like, a locked-away universe mm-hmm. that he has put... Elliot into mm-hmm. and then Darlene's not in that universe yeah and then that's when he comes to like at a certain point he comes to he comes back to the hospital room and mm-hmm. then he's like he sees Darlene and he's like oh he makes that connection I feel like yeah the mastermind's arc like yeah. I think Darlene basically says to him that she misses Elliot mm-hmm. and I think mm. for once the mastermind instead of you know doing the protecting doing all of that decides you know what like let me give this person her brother back let me give him his sister back yep. and it's just such a this the the cinema the scene where they're in the movie theater mm-hmm. and they're just watching Elliot's life and Rami Malek like the emotion on his face like yeah. brings me to tears every does, time yeah. and I can't again I can't listen to outro anymore without yes. like weeping um but I, I I had no idea where it was gonna go and it went in just the most beautiful place it could have possibly gone to and I think like I, I think you can't help but like sit with like sit with yourself after it and mm-hmm. be like what do I do that out of a place of pain who have I built who are the personas I've built out of this place of pain like what am I holding back what am I doing to myself what am I doing to others and I think like the way that it pulls all of these questions off in the like background of this really cool plot about about hacking like this is why I tell people like you have to see it you have to stick with it you like I know you hated it when you were, you know, 18 or whatever, and it seemed weird and like, but you have to go and watch it. And, but I think it's not for everyone at every time in their life. Yeah. You know, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely went like deep introspective mode after it, which is what you were saying. Mm-hmm. Like what reflecting as to different parts of my life that were hurt or different exiled parts right Mm -hmm. and seeing like what's there and the whole show felt like therapy to me yeah Yeah. and you get what you put in yeah that's maybe that's maybe that's why it's so hard to watch because you do have to put in Mm -hmm. yeah i mean maybe you can just kind of put your recliner up and like watch it for fun but like i couldn't do that i was like so invested and i put a lot into it and i got like infinite reward out of it yeah yeah it felt like therapy it did (laughs) yeah it's to answer your question about how, <laughs> how it makes me feel at the end. Yeah, yeah. and, and um, 
we actually, uh, all three of us watched the last couple of minutes um, of the show. <laughs> and right before this episode, I mean, and it was quite an experience because it's like, it brought me back to like when I watched it. It's just like oddly nostalgic. And you would think that it's like weirdly like negative um, in terms of, because there's a lot of like hard to watch things in this, in this uh, show. But what I really found like, and what I appreciated about this show the most is like, I was worried it would end like on a, like a really sad note Mm -hmm. and like it would have like something really negative to say, but what I really appreciated was it totally wasn't. Mm -hmm. And I think that's exactly what you guys were saying about like, that's how therapy feels, you know, like you're in there and you're like, this is kind of scary (laughs) and this is kind of overwhelming, but then you feel like a, like a sigh of relief. And I Mm -hmm. feel like that is how the ending felt. Mm -hmm. And I think that's exactly how you're supposed to feel. Um, but yeah, there was like a, there's, there's like a, definitely a sigh of relief when you realize like Elliot's back. Mm-hmm. We don't, we don't know him, but he's back. I, I forgot this until we just watched that scene together, but the last thing, so throughout the show, Elliot talks to you, right? <laughs> oh, and yeah. it's, I think the first line is hello friend. Mm-hmm. And he keeps talking to you. Mm-hmm. And there's this interesting part where he stops talking to you. And like, even in season two, when you learn that he's been in prison, he's like, I'm really sorry that I kept this from you. Like, I, I think there's an interesting conversation to be had about who are we in this? Yeah. Like some people's theory is like, we're Elliot, which I think is interesting. Or we're a part. Um, or we're a part. Exactly. We're the voyeur part. Um, but I think the most, like speaking to what you were saying, like there's the last thing he says, I think to us before he, seeds control and Elliot wakes up before he walks into the movie theater he looks at us and he says like come on this only works if you let go too oh, and like oh, my God, it's so I, oh yeah that's like the, the waterworks start then. oh yeah <laughs> but like it is you know again so easily could have been this tropey like breaking the fourth wall lame yeah, moment yeah. of like yeah. uh-huh, we've been doing therapy together this whole right but it's like it's not and it, it is like pure magic to me how they pull that off like he says this line and it breaks something in you or it yeah. broke something in me yeah and i was like damn like mm-hmm. i i was clinging on to the show and i was so devastated when it ended because i was like i i i think because it, i was it was like therapy yeah and i was like i don't know what i'm supposed to do without this show it was like really astonishing i had never felt i think that dependent really mm-hmm. on a show uh, and then, of course, the beauty is you can just watch it a million times over, and it gets better with every watch. But, like, th- I felt legitimate grief when it ended. Yeah. And the second time as well, I was like, oh, this is it. Like, that's yes. the end. Yeah. Um, but I think in that way, we're, we're in the same shoes as Elliot. Like, we've come back, we've, we've gone through something, and we have reconciled with the truth of the show and whatever the truth is in our situation. And it's time to, you know, take the next step and move on with your life. And I I think that that, like the feeling that that show gives me is phenomenal. Like, I wish I could just like shake Sam S. Miles hand or give him a hug and be like, thank you. (laughs) Because it's like nothing else I think has given me what that show has given me. Yeah, it it was for me like when I finished it, I didn't watch anything for weeks because it was just like I just had to sit, I just had to sit in it because it it was so unexpectedly self reflective mm-hmm. like, and you would think like you're watching this and it's like about a hacker and there's like people dying and you're like, how can this be 
like self-reflective but like i've watched a million shows and i've never felt like this it's Mm -hmm. like it feels like i've known these people forever and it feels like i am there like people say that all the time but it genuinely feels like i am feeling exactly what is, is on the screen yeah and i think that's what it does so well and I think that's why it's so hard to watch mm-hmm. beyond the fact that there's like, like drugs and that's hard to see as well and death. But this is really the harder thing. Yeah. Yeah. So. I, I think it's why a lot of people don't go to therapy. Right. Yeah. They don't look at their, and I think even going to therapy, it doesn't like magically make it easy to like look at your problems and look at your pain and be like, Oh, okay, cool. Yeah. I know what I'm doing. Like we figured it out. Like the, yeah. the journey is, is ahead of me, I get it, and I'm going to be a perfectly functional, fixed, integrated person now that I've done this. It's like a forever, it's a lifelong process, and, you know, I, I don't think the show leaves you with this message of, like, oh, okay, like, we, we, we're done. Right. Like, this is over. Elliot, like, I don't think you walk out of the show being like, oh, Elliot's woken up and everything is sunny and, you know, daisies are blooming and rainbows are in the sky. You're like, he has so much ahead of Mm -hmm. him now, but he is equipped to go through it, you know? Yeah. And I think, like, all of that being said, like, it's hard to watch and there's a lot to it and it feels very self-reflective and introspective. Like, would you recommend this show to everyone? I feel like we've talked a bit about it's very situational, but in general, what do you guys think? Mm, I try to tell everybody to watch it, Mm -hmm. but I do also understand that most people, I mean, I understand it very well because I started and stopped it so many times. Yeah. You have to be at a place where you can put effort, emotional effort into it. Mm -hmm. Or maybe not. I don't know. It depends on what you want to put in. It's it's really like a you make it you make the show. Yes. Mm-hmm. Not the show makes the show. Yeah. Yeah, I think I, I do always tell people to watch it. I do caveat it a little bit of like it's not I think I said this earlier, it's not for everyone at every time of their life. But I think if you catch it at about the right time, it can add so much value and depth to your life. Like again, like not to you know repeat myself a million times but the same goes for therapy you could place any person in therapy at any moment and it wouldn't always give them what you know what it could give them if they enter it at the right time in the right headspace yeah um and so i yeah there's like one one friend i have who tried to watch it when they were like early in college and they're like i hated it i'm like try it now like you're you're at a different point in your life right and i know that I, i have faith that you will appreciate this more now right i wouldn't go tell like a 14 year old maybe to watch it yeah like not only because it's very heavy and you know that that's a lot but it's also because i don't know that you get out of it because i don't think at 14 you can really have that kind of reflection you're still a kid you're still growing right um but it's i yeah i think i will forever sing the song of mr robot and tell people to watch it and you know, I always am so delighted when I meet people who have seen it and who love it. We have a, a mutual friend who loves it just as much as we do. And, you know, for, for all the same reasons. And it, it's really nice having those conversations about the show. That's so nice. Yeah, I, I think it's, it's uh, in terms of impact, it's, like, definitely, like, the most impactful show that I've ever seen, like, mm-hmm. to date. And I think there's a lot of special things that... I always go back to, like, in my head. Even if I haven't rewatched it, like, I think about it. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what makes it so great. So yeah. I think that's, that's all we have for today. 
Um, thank you all for listening. Thank you, Mir and Leia, for being here and talking about it. Yeah, thanks for having us. Yeah. That was um, wonderful. And if you haven't seen the show and you're still here, you're a trooper. Um, <laughs> definitely watch it. It's on Amazon Prime. This is not sponsored. But um, we'll see you on the next episode. Thanks for listening.